0: Good morning, church. Hey, super excited about uh, wrapping up today's, uh, the sermon series today. We've been in a sermon series entitled Hot Sauce, and so we're going to wrap that up this morning. I want to mention the big day that we've got coming up, Um, Back to Church Sunday, September 19th. So invite friends, invite family. If you know anybody that doesn't go to church, invite them to come to church. That's what that day is for. It's it's back to church Sunday. We want everybody to come back to church. If you know people that haven't been coming to church because they've been uneasy about uh, coming or you know somebody that has been saved for years but doesn't attend church or somebody who doesn't even know the Lord but you want them to come to church, invite them to come back to church for Back to Church Sunday. We go back to school in the fall, come back to church in the fall too. So we're going to wrap up this hot sauce series today and we've been learning all about different things about the Holy Spirit hot sauce series all about the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit do? And how can we recognize the moving of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Today I want to talk about how the Holy Spirit is present in our salvation experience. How is the Holy Spirit present in our decision to follow Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? And so the title of today's message is entitled, Holy Spirit in Salvation. Very simply, How is it that the Holy Spirit works in us and through us to bring us to a point of salvation? How does the Holy Spirit work through us to bring us to a point where we have this relationship with God? John 16, 7 says this. It says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to to your advantage. Jesus is speaking here. Jesus says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he, the Holy Spirit, has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me. And so one of the first things that we realize is that the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. How is the Holy Spirit involved in the salvation experience? How is the Holy Spirit responsible for drawing us to follow the Lord? To begin with, the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. When we are living our lives before we come to know the Lord, before we have a relationship with the Lord, the Holy Spirit is active in our life to convict us of sin. Now, conviction is different than condemnation. There is a difference. With conviction, there is always a way out, and Jesus is the way out. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus is the way out of the conviction that we feel under the Holy Spirit. Condemnation, with condemnation, there is no way out, and we should never feel condemned. If we're feeling condemned, that's the enemy. The Holy Spirit does not come to condemn. He only comes to convict. And so we'll feel this in our life when we're doing something wrong, and we know that we shouldn't be doing it. We feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, even if we have not followed the Lord, even if we don't know what the Bible says. We know that what we're doing is wrong, and we feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Romans 3.23 says, everyone has sinned. Everyone has sinned at some point in their life. Everyone has sinned. We've all done it. And so the problem with sin, sin is the problem, and the problem with sin is that sin separates us from God. Sin separates us from God. But Jesus made a way for us to have relationship with the Father again. Jesus came and he paid the price for our sin. When we sin against God, when we sin and we do what, against what God has commanded, we owe a debt that we can't pay back. Only Jesus can pay that. And he paid it for us. He freely paid it for us. And he offers us salvation through him. First John four nine says, in this, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God sent his only son, his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, the, prop- the propitiation, the substitute offering for our sins. See, in the Old Testament, when The people of Israel had sinned. There had to be a sacrifice of an animal and the blood was poured out and that blood was what paid for the sin. It's what covered over the sin. And when Jesus died on the cross, his blood was poured out on that cross for your sins and for mine. He was the final offering. When Jesus hung on the cross, he said, it is finished. This is the final sacrifice. My sacrifice of my life is for all. And Jesus paid the price for your sins and for mine so that we could all enter into relationship with God once again. Jesus took what was ours, and he gave us what was his. He took our sin, and he gave us his righteousness. Jesus took our place. He paid the debt that we owed for our sin. Jesus' death on the cross finished it all. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11 says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God, do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And so we see here that one of the actions of the Holy Spirit in salvation is to sanctify us. It's to wash us. It's to cleanse us. The Holy Spirit comes into our life. When we accept Jesus as Lord, the Holy Spirit comes into our life and He cleanses us of our sins. It's He who washes us. It's He who sanctifies us, who gives us the strength to live for Christ and to be justified, to... Walk with him all of the days of our life. Our righteousness comes through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. It's not something that we have to earn. It's not something that we have to wait to receive. The righteousness that we have, we have from Christ. We have it from day one of our salvation. And we need to walk in it because it's been given to us. We don't walk in it because we've earned it. We don't walk in it because we figured out how to do it right. We walk in it because... Jesus freely gave. Amen. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Go to hell when you die. But if you live by the Spirit, put to death the deeds of the body, you will live and go to heaven when you die. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. We know that when we come to the Lord Jesus as Savior, the Holy Spirit leads us for as many as are led by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit leads us. After we come to Jesus, after we begin to walk with Him, the Holy Spirit leads us throughout our life. The Holy Spirit guides us. The Holy Spirit instructs us. The Holy Spirit helps us. The Holy Spirit comforts us. The Holy Spirit is an ever-present help in the time of need. As we begin to walk with the Lord, as we begin to fellowship with God and walk with Him on a day-to-day basis, the Holy Spirit will speak to us, speak to our spirit. He will guide us. He will lead us. He will tell us what's right. He will tell us what not to do. He will tell us who to talk to. He will tell us who not to talk to. He will tell us when we're out of line. And He'll give us grace for when others are out of line. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Galatians five twenty two through 25 But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. As we continue to live by the Holy Spirit and fellowship or spend time with the Holy Spirit we will begin to have the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so it's this time that we spend with God, it's this time we spend fellowshipping with Him and being in the presence of His Holy Spirit that we begin to bear fruit. How many of you ever had a fruit tree in your backyard? You can't just plant the fruit tree and walk away and expect fruit. You have to take care of the tree. You have to fertilize the tree. You have to prune the tree. You have to spray the tree with chemicals so the bugs don't get on there and the pesticides and the disease. It takes time. You have to work at that tree in order to develop the fruit. And it's the same thing. If we fellowship with the Holy Spirit, if we simply just spend time with God, this fruit will be developed in your life. You will have joy in the midst of trials. You will have peace in the midst of the storm. You will have patience when people are trying you. How many of us need more patience? You will have kindness for all of those that you meet. You will have goodness in all things. You have faithfulness in all that you do. You'll have gentleness towards everyone, and you'll have self-control in everything that tempts you. We could all use some more self-control. There's a lot of people in the world that need a lot more self-control. We're able to live this way because of what the Holy Spirit does in us. It's not by our own strength. It's by the Spirit. Not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. It's by the Spirit of God that's on the inside of us. We draw from His strength, and we can do these things because He's alive in us. Lastly, the Holy Spirit comes, and we know that we are saved. 1 John 3.24 says, Now he who keeps his commands, there's a lot of pronouns here, so I'm going to interject who they're talking about. Now he who keeps God's commands abides in God, and God abides in him. And by this, we know that God abides in us by the Spirit who God has given to us. 1 John 4.13 repeats this phrase, It's so important, John wrote it twice. It says, by this, we know that we abide in God, and God abides in us, because God has given us His Spirit, His Holy Spirit. And so when we have the Holy Spirit in our life, this is the assurance of salvation, One of the glorious things about the Holy Spirit being in our life is that we know that we know that we are saved, that when it's time for us to pass on from this life and from this earth, that we are going to go and we are going to spend eternity in heaven with God and with Jesus. Glory to God and with all the saints and with all the angels. We know this. We can know this. You can know today that you are saved and that when it's time for you to leave this earth, that you will go to heaven. And we know this because the Holy Spirit has come and he is in our life. Church, we are meant to have the assurance of salvation. We are supposed to be confident about this. Yeah. We, are, we do not have to guess. We do not have to wonder whether or not we've lived a good enough life to go to heaven. We don't go to heaven because we're good or not. We go to heaven because Jesus paid for our sins. And the evidence that we've accepted Jesus Christ and the evidence that He is in us and we are in Him is His Holy Spirit in your life. And so when the Holy Spirit's present in your life, you know that you know that you know that you're saved. And you know that you know that you know that it's when, you, when it's your time to go, you're going to go to heaven where there is no pain, where there is no sorrow, where there is no more strife. Come on, it's a glorious place. We'd all really rather be there if we understood the reality of heaven. We don't have time to talk about all that today. We've been talking about this relationship with Jesus. And if you're here today and you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, if you've never entered into this relationship, if you've never had this relationship that I've spoken of, but you want to, if you do not have the assurance of salvation, if you don't know if when you breathe your last breath that you are 100% sure that you are going to heaven, I want to invite you today to follow Jesus. I want to invite you today to say uh, this prayer with me and make Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life. It's simple, and yet all of us here, those of us who are here for 30 and more years, we're still walking this out. We're still walking with Jesus. We're still figuring out exactly how we should be doing all of this. Making Jesus Lord and Savior of your life is about asking for forgiveness. We talked first slide. Holy Spirit comes to convict us of sin. We've all sinned. We need to ask Jesus to forgive us of our sins, and he will forgive us. We need to believe that Jesus lived and that he died for us, for our sins, and that he rose again, and also obeying what God has asked us to do. If you would like to follow Jesus today, I would ask you to uh, say this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. I believe that you lived and you died for me. I believe that you love me. I ask that you would come into my life That you would help me to live for you and obey all that the Bible has instructed. I ask for your Holy Spirit and for the assurance of salvation in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior for the first time, we want to celebrate with you because it's a great thing to follow God, it's a great thing to have your sins forgiven, it's a great thing to know that you're going to heaven. And so I'm going to ask you to do a couple of things. Number one, if you're here today and you prayed that prayer for the first time, I'm going to ask you to check that box on your Engage card. On the back of your Engage card, there's a box that says, today I follow Jesus as Lord and Savior for the first time. If that's you and you prayed that prayer for the first time, or if you're watching online and you prayed that prayer for the first time, I'm going to ask you to check that box. If online you've already sent in your online Engage card, send me an email at info at and I'll... See- because I want to send you guys some information, both online and anybody that might be in person. I want to send you some information that better explains the decision that you just made to follow the Lord. Secondly, let us know that you did that, because um, we just want to celebrate with you. And also, if you prayed that prayer today for the first time, you have the opportunity to get baptized. We've got four people signed up for baptism today. We're going to be baptizing people right over here. And uh, one of the things that you need to do after you get saved, after you follow the Lord, is you need to get baptized. And so there's baptism available here today. If that's something that you want to do, I would invite you to do that. And so right now I want to take a look at what baptism is, and I want to explain to you from a biblical aspect why it is that we wait to baptize people when they are older. And so let's take a look at this now. Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says this. It says Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so here we see that Jesus instructed his disciples and everyone else that would ever believe in him afterwards to go into the world to share the love of God with others and to baptize them make them disciples make them followers of Christ tell them about my love invite them to follow me and then baptize them stick them in the water <laughs> acts 8:36 through 38 30, acts 8:36 through 38 here we read an account Of Philip, and he's ministering to an Ethiopian eunuch. And it says, Now, as they went down the road, they were riding in a carriage, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is some water. What hinders me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all of your heart, you may. And so he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. And so here we see that the reason that I as a minister can baptize you is because you have made a confession of faith, a decision to follow Jesus. It's your decision in your heart that allows me to baptize you. Babies can't make that decisions for themselves. And so that's why we don't do infant baptism, because, yes, we believe that they will follow the Lord, but that's a decision that they have to walk out on their own. And so when they get to the right age, when they get to the point of making that decision, making that firm decision for themselves, we baptize them at that point. And so when we baptize people, we're going to ask you one question. If you're here today and you got saved for the first time, you just prayed that prayer with me, I've got one question for you before I put you in that tub. Have you made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life? If the answer is yes, then come on in. The waters of baptism are open. There's a lot of water in that tub. I don't think that all of us jumping in there would uh, wear it out. So, you know, we've got four signed up, but as many more as want to be baptized, we would welcome you today. If you believe in your heart that Jesus lived and he died and he took your place and he rose again, you can be baptized. If you believe in your heart, you don't have to believe in your mind. There's a difference between believing in our heart and believing in our mind. Romans says, with the heart one believes unto salvation. It doesn't have to make sense in your mind. A lot of the stuff that we talk about within Christian circles doesn't make sense in your mind because God is an infinite God, and the thoughts of God are way beyond our thoughts, and so we can't always make sense of everything that God tells us to do. Sometimes we just have to obey what he's telling us. We believe with our heart unto salvation. Romans 6, 2 through 4 says this. Paul's talking about sin, and and they ask the question, should we continue in sin? And he says, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ, Jesus, were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the newness of life. Paul writes his stuff from a lawyer's perspective, and sometimes when Paul writes stuff, it's hard to understand. What he's saying here is that baptism is a physical representation of what's going on spiritually in your life. Spiritually in your life, you have died to sin. Sin no longer has any place or any rule over your life. You are dead to sin, and the baptism, the waters of baptism, are like a spiritual grave. You go down into the waters of baptism. That sinful nature that you had is buried. And when you come up out of the water, you rise up to the newness of life and you live in the righteousness that God has given you. He's given it to you. You get to walk in it because he did it for you. Our old sin nature passes away. And we walk in the newness of life. We live for Jesus Christ and we live in the power of His righteousness. It's by His strength that we live and move and have our being. It's by His strength that we have love and joy and peace. And it's by Jesus that we have no fear of things to come. Guys, when you have the assurance of salvation and you're confident that you're going to heaven, you would no longer have fear of things to come. If I could have the worship team, uh, please come back up. We're going to have the worship team come on back up on the platform. We're going to get ready to baptize those uh, who have signed up. And if anybody else is here and you prayed that prayer for the first time today, or you've been saved, but you've never had the opportunity to get baptized, I want to invite you to join us in the baptisms of water today. Pastor Steve is going to be standing here in the back. This is the tall gentleman with the plaid shirt and the sunglasses on. Debenly handsome, and uh, just see him, and uh, he's going to ask you that one question, and so if the one question that you, he's going to ask you, he, if you answer it, he's going to put you in line, and we'll, we'll get you guys baptized. The only thing that's necessary for you to be baptized is that you believe in Jesus Christ, his life, his death, his sacrifice for you, and in his resurrection with all of your heart. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on, let's have some baptisms. Hmm. <laughs>